Hey, brother man, how you doing tonight? I'm tremendous. Thank you for asking. For for asking? Yes. Well, no, no problem. No, no problem at all, brother man. Yeah, yeah. Glad to hear it. Indeed. I'm also doing quite well. Yeah. Just another Monday. <laughs> uh, feeling quite stuffed with dinner. Got uh, kombucha and uh, a nice little uh, voodoo ranger with me here. What you sipping on? Very nice. I am sipping on the love of comic books, metaphorically speaking. I was about to say. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to need you to sound a little less reading Rainbow. <laughs> I don't think reading Rainbow over uh, ran anything like that. They'd be too confusing for the kids. It probably would be, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably heard this, or at least you've heard this initially. What's up? Uh, the, the rumors are circling back again now about... Okay. Uh, you know, casting rumors and all that. There's always casting rumors of some type or another going around. You know, uh, half of them got to be from the damn production studios themselves. Just like, hey, let's get our social media yeah, stats. Up. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like uh, feelers, you know, mm. or, or at the very least, you know, it's coming from people who aren't supposed to tell, but they leak the shit anyway. Right. You know, right, where they be at like little mixer events or whatnot. They get a, a few too many cocktails on them and mm-hmm. shit starts to slip. In other words, what Q means is they go to these cocktail parties. All right, who's going to bid the most for this information? Ah, I see uh, 500 going to the back once. Okay, okay. Oh, 700. It's seven. Oh, you know. You know, in a roundabout conspiratorial way, I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe part of the reason why some of these journalists maybe skew their uh, their scores or their takes mm-hmm. on these movies, you know. Because we, <clears throat> what we know for a fact is that, like, if these movie critics, if they shit on something that they think deserves to be shat on, Mm -hmm. then chances are they won't be invited back to the next big thing. Of course. And uh, that kind of hurts their bottom line, you know? So while I hate that they have to take that approach, I understand it from like a uh, uh, financial point of view. One, we're not even three minutes in, and Mm -hmm. here we are talking about conspiratorial bullshit from, uh, you know, Planet Hollywood. Not the restaurant, just Hollywood Mm -hmm. in general. Two... I fully agree with that because mm-hmm. I mean let, let's look at it let's let's be the third party looking down on the entire game board from mm-hmm. our viewpoint right so you as production studio make a product it happens to be a shitty lazy just quick turnaround product because we're just trying to sell ad time make a buck uh, you know get the box office for a weekend whatever the case right you as a reviewer see said product tell a company hey guys. Uh, BuzzFeed.com or whomever the fuck I don't know whoever reviews out there Red Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes, Red Tomatoes <laughs> V8 Tomatoes, not sponsors Nothing of the above was sponsors V8 Tomatoes goes to your theater, says I'm gonna Review this goddamn movie and they Review the movie and find out, wow this is A steaming pile of shit They go back, they say it's a steaming pile of shit And wouldn't you know it The production studio is like well why did we invite you to go to this theater to watch and preview our movie before mm. release? This is a bad... No. I don't want you advertising that this was a bad movie because right. we want the cheap, easy-ass money. So, of course, the movie theater loses that business, but then the reviewer, much time thereafter, all of a sudden is like, oh, we didn't get invited back to this production studio whenever they came out with a sequel for that piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, why didn't we get invited back? Oh, that's right, because we called it a piece of shit. So literally on the game board, you are lessening the profit for everybody involved, the production studio, the reviewing company, and even the movie theater themselves, whenever you say, 
Now, yeah, yeah, I mean, especially like if you're a reviewer who's respected, if exactly. you have a big enough yeah, platform, like VH like Tomatoes. <laughs> but I guess, and there is pseudo defense, like that's a conglomerate of different reviewers whose opinions get posted there. True. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so it, it is kind of bizarre. Like it's a bizarre dance that's being done yeah. because they they assume that their reviews mean something to people. When in reality, people kind of look at just numbers. Like how how of a Ooh, number it's did this four point eight out of five? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and instead of looking at or, or listening to like the in depth analysis of what did or didn't work for said movie. In other words, what Q is saying, whenever you Google search a business and you see that their reviews is 4.8 out of five stars you're already like oh mm-hmm. cool that's 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 pretty good do you every time click into the reviews and actually read <laughs> statements fuck no yeah i mean because like it could literally be like this a 4.8 out of five and you're really looking for said business you know whatever it is mm-hmm. and you look into it and and you don't even well, you don't even look at it but like the review could read something just like this it could be like Oh man, so I went to said business and man, they had uh, excellent service. They gave me exactly what I wanted, and they had really quick turnaround time. Mm-hmm. And and again, everyone there was so nice and friendly. And I had to do was sell my soul to Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bury the lead. Yeah, four point eight, man. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. But uh, but you best know if you Google search that thing. And then something else pops up two out of five stars. You're going to be like, oh, I'm not going to go there I'm at not all. Going there at all, yeah. You go yeah. to the review and it's literally like, oh, these guys were awesome. They were really good, except, you know, they brought my water and forgot the ice in the water. Yeah. Or some dumb or, shit like that. Or it could be like, uh, for like a gym, like, man, there are way too many meatheads here. And like, I actually had to work out. <laughs> <laughs> I just this went from my Instagram profile. Yeah. I didn't really go for working out. This is not Man, as advertised. We're calling our businesses left and right. We need to get started or else we're going to be bastardized. Right. We're going to be those bad reviewers who are out of business. <laughs> who am yes. I kidding? We already are out of business. Uh, well, uh, bullshit. Can't put us out of business. Uh, that's because we never asked for that business. That's, the house. Yeah. Yeah, that's technically true. You're welcome. But uh, <laughs> the reason why I brought up like all this in the first place is because the rumor mill... Has started back up again. Oh yeah, you about to say about, something uh, actual? Yeah, about potential casting for uh, the uh, obligatory or uh, yeah the the X Men movie that's going to come out some point in the distant or near future. In that case, I definitely don't believe whatever you're about to say, and it's totally just going to be like well placed feelers. But yes, I, I'm ready to hear it. Mm. That's my theory. And I'm very, very uh, confident in that. Mm. Indeed. But yeah, what, what are you about yeah. to say? Let, let me hear it. Because it's like, I haven't even heard shit about an X-Men movie besides the fact that we just know they're going to eventually do one because they have the properties now. But anyways, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, yeah, so the rumor has come around again that uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito has expressed extreme interest in uh, playing the role of uh, Professor Xavier. And... Uh, Months ago, we spoke about this because we knew that he was in that he had been talking to Marvel, and uh, this was in lieu of Marvel announcing that yes, the X Men are in the works. And uh, so, you know, a couple of internet sleuths, us included, started putting two and two together and wondering. I wonder if, if Giancarlo is gonna potentially uh, try to position himself in, in a role to uh, play Professor X. And, uh, and now here we are, and he's saying that that is a role that he would really like to play. 
what do you think about that kind of casting? Oh no, I mean, if it's legit, that'd be awesome, dude. You know, yeah. Um, of course, it comes from Hollywood, so I'm I'm very skeptical. You know, uh, if that makes me sound like an asshole, I I semi apologize. Well, but uh, I mean, so so that that second portion comes from him. Him saying that he would really like to play the part. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd be down for that. Honestly, like his acting chops are so good. It would be weird for me to see him play a good guy. That's but yeah, the, yeah, that that's the gimmick. But that's yeah, kind of my yeah. only hang up with him because I'm like, he even like his calm demeanor face is intimidating as hell. Simply because of the roles that he's played before. And it's mm-hmm. it's not very not very common that we see him play the good guy. For those of you who don't know, he's probably most well known for playing Gustavo Fringe from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that more of you uh, Star Wars nerds probably have seen him recently in The Mandalorian as Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gustavo Fringe is up. He is uh, on the dark side, even more so. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are video gamers out there, he also played the main villain in Far Cry 6. Yep. Uh, unlike Q's impressive ass, I do not remember the actual villain name of that guy in the video game, besides the villain guy in Far Cry 6. <laughs> Yes, uh, but I think that for him to be cast as Professor X, uh, a, I think that would be such a that that would be phenomenal for multiple reasons. One, like you said, he's such a great actor, mm-hmm. and two, uh, because this would really give him something to chew on because he would really have to kind of work to not portray himself as. You know, yeah, he needs uh, yeah. to be warm. He needs to be empathetic. He right. needs to be like, you know, Charles Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. But then how do you also how do you just suppose that with the times when Charles is kind of menacing, like the, the times when Charles does get upset, you know, hmm? and then it's like, oh, let him be a bad guy for the scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And back to yourself. Go. All right. Cut. Perfect. One take. We're done. Uh, Go back to the good guy scenes. Okay, so this is what you're doing. No, 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 no. Th- th- these are your students. Your fr- yes, you like your students. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you read the script? Uh, and then that got me thinking about something else. And that is months ago, also. Many months ago. Many, many moons ago, once oh. upon a time. Uh, we also know. And man, there's been radio silence on this, and I'd be really curious to see if anything came from it. But we know that months ago, also, somebody else who was speaking with Marvel was Denzel Washington. Mm. What would uh, he be playing? Well, the the current, and there's no uh, nothing to back this up, but the current rumor mill is that uh, Magneto. Denzel as Magneto. Kevin has his inquisitive face on right now, his thinking cap. Interesting. Mm. Um, hmm. Interesting indeed. Hmm. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, first of all, I think that similar to Giancarlo Esposito, it would be a very fun challenge for him. Yeah. I can see a lot of like that John Q energy coming out of, you know? Uh, yeah. In parts, mm-hmm. um, in, in parts, in parts, 
Um, uh, yeah. But still, I, I see like especially for the emotional scenes, those parts like the the proclamation well, the, scenes. I, I see a lot. I mean, and gosh, I hate to. I of all people hate to make this comparison, but I see a lot of uh, uh, his performances, Malcolm X coming through mm, okay okay um okay that sells that makes sense yeah uh you know because there's a lot of righteous indignation there uh with the character of Magneto. well th- there is kind of a poetic irony to that you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean this being magneto of all people yeah yeah um <laughs> okay yeah. interesting yeah and like the more i think about it the more i'm like okay so First and foremost, I am of the I am of the camp. I am of the idea. I think Magneto should always be Jewish, but that's mm-hmm. just me. That's but where if, my brain went to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't uh, want to be. Yeah. Um. And yeah. and you know, and for those of you who are of the uh, the idea that well, for anyone to be a, a Holocaust survivor, they would be like a hundred years old now. I would like to point this out to you. Uh, the man can can move and manipulate metal, mm-hmm. but in your mind, he cannot have longevity. That is very interesting. <laughs> right um yeah yeah but i mean so if if they don't want to go that route if they don't want to, to uh go the the holocaust survivor route then they would have to replace that with another trauma that leads him to becoming you know the, the leader of the brotherhood of mutants mm-hmm. and you know what trauma would that be oh, i mean it, it, i mean i'm this is one of the few few cases where it kind of does depend on like what is the ethnicity of the person who you're casting. It it does, and that's because the the choice that they went with originally for Magneto, um, in the original storytelling, was such a prominent one because it was a social statement. It was mm-hmm. based off of real life actual happenings and not just right. a fictional world, like my parents got shot in an alley in a fictional city mm-hmm. versus, oh, this actually happened. This is based off the real Holocaust. And that itself yeah. is such a powerful tragedy, such a bad one. And for me, I, th- I think it's more to the idea that, like, it's less of, I mean, yeah, it is definitely like this is a real event, but it's, right. more, it's more of this I is a real event that say, happened yeah. to these people. Right, exactly. You know? um, um, whereas, like, anyone... Um, this is kind of was, a scary thought. I was yeah. Eventually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say anyone's parents can unfortunately be shot in an alley. Uh it's you know, that doesn't that's <laughs> doesn't really matter what your uh what your racial background is. <laughs> your parents can get shot. Uh but as far as like Magneto's well, origin to take goes, away from tonight's episode, yeah, please take, don't let it be that. Let it be nope, that. Nope. Your next time your parents go for a stroll, <laughs> keep that in mind. All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh no, but um, no, I, I get it because yeah. like that's that's a tragedy that does have a certain body of people, mm-hmm. i.e., the Jewish population, that it affects. Yep. You know, and yes, there is historical facts that proves that the Holocaust was not only focused on the Jewish Correct. population. Right. Um, I, I don't know then enough about true. history to go down that rabbit hole. I am not qualified. I will not try to be. But in this case, um, that is the most prominent. And most well-known history in the world mm-hmm. when it comes to thinking about like, oh, this is the Holocaust, this is what it was, and all that. Right. So I mean, because I mean, like, yeah. you know, in all fairness, yeah, like there, there, there was definitely a population of black people mm-hmm. uh, who also suffered severe ramifications during the Holocaust. 
it's not spoken about a lot, but I, I mean, just by that that alone, it technically could work. Yeah, it, I mean, it really just uh, it depends on where route they want to go. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this: like that one, albeit major hurdle hurdle aside, like how Marvel will want to handle that. Mm-hmm. I think that Denzel would. I think he's a great choice. I mean, because he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like the idea now of Marvel potentially using these bigger names to fill these very prominent roles. Exactly, especially uh, prominent roles that we had better see in multiple movies. Yeah, you know that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, but that's also the problem too. Is that you, you can't. You can't skimp on the pay to these guys. I was gonna say, yeah, that's 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 yeah. another big hurdle here. Well, know? I mean, is money really a hurdle for Disney? Yeah, you didn't hear. <laughs> yeah, no, there was actually like legit news about this. They're closing the Animal Kingdom, dude. Like really? they literally like took a chunk of Disney World and said, "This dead." Really? Yeah, they're closing Animal Kingdom. I did yeah. not hear about yeah. that. Yeah, let, let me oh, look it wow. up real quick. Yeah, give me a sec. Shit. Um, go ahead and fill the bus for me while I'm doing this, please. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. I mean, I knew that like they had taken some, they had taken some hits since the uh, the pandemic, and um, I mean, even in the movie department, I know that they had taken some hits. But for Disney to lose money, at least from their like theatrical side of things, is very different from other studios when they lose money in the theaters. Because you know, for example, what I think like Black Widow or Shang-Chi and the Eternals made somewhere around like 400 million a piece, something like that, four to five million, a hundred million a piece, which for most movies is a super success. But for Marvel movies, not, not so much because they're used to nearing that billion dollar, crossing that billion dollar threshold. And so while I recognize they didn't make as much money as they wanted to in phase four, uh, I thought that for sure they still maybe made enough to cover, you know, I, I, st- I thought it still, you know, made enough to, uh, I guess, kind of cover their asses. But, hell, what, what the hell do I know? Yeah, right here. Um, speculation says that Disney World will close its fourth theme park in 2024. Yeah. Um, just kind of clicked on an article. So mm-hmm. it's not cemented. Okay. By that wording alone, you can tell that it's a rumor, right. you know, and that's fair. That's fair. We don't know if that's a fact, but we do know that, and this is, again, based on the article. I'm not a stocks guy. I, I don't know the stuff as impressive as this article says and will make me sound like I know it. But we do know from this source here that the Disney stock has took, has taken a 44% drop, which is I, uh... fucking intense in the stock game, dude. That isn't. I knew that they had taken a drop. I didn't know it was like that. That is big. Like you don't want to take no forty four percent loss and nothing, yeah. especially when you're as big of a conglomerate as Disney. So the yeah. thing that kind of had me wondering about like the internal state of Disney was, you know, a few months ago when they fired um, Bob Chapek. Yep. Uh, just out of the blue on a Sunday night, just up and fired the guy, and then we hired Bob Iger. Mm. And listen. I am of the camp of I don't champion either of those guys. Uh, uh, they're both Bob. They're both yeah, they're both Bob. They're both super rich dudes who I don't know, and, and they, they never give me money. I don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason why I never champion them, you know, is is I, I, we may have spoken about this in the podcast, but I view them like I view the president. 
almost like in the United States. Oh no, like, we we've had this conversation, yeah. just never on mic. Oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. because you know it's like I agree. Yeah. yeah, you know you like you have a, a president, and it's like a new president comes in, and how much of the old president's bullshit does the new president have to kind of resolve? And how much of what we're experiencing with the new president is the new president's fault? Mm-hmm. I don't fucking know. I don't uh, fucking know either. But the cool thing is, Kevin, there apparently are millions of people on Facebook who do know and Twitter. They <laughs> all know. <laughs> uh, oh, no. <laughs> Thanks for turning in for our commentary, folks. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. The sad thing is, and, and this is probably another conversation piece, this might actually be a really fun episode to talk about, mm. but apparently Disney Plus has still not turned a profit. Really? Nope. Mm. Not even. So I'm trying to, because th- I'm not trying to, uh not trying to cape for uh, for Disney, uh, but like, I, I don't know how long it takes for a streaming service to make a profit. Like Netflix has been in the red for fucking years. Right. You know? So like with most of these streaming services, I don't know how easily they do turn profits. And and then also the thing that I hate is that numbers can be so easily manipulated to make it look like a good or bad thing. Um, but with all that being said, yeah, I, uh, yeah, dude. I don't um, see. It says here that they lost four billion dollars with the uh, streaming service. They're expecting. They're expecting, and maybe this is kind of touching a little bit of what you were just discussing mm. too, regarding like streaming services and how long for them to both take root and eventually start growing with their users to really make that money, mm. money, you know. But they are saying that they think they can achieve their goal in twenty twenty four. Which means that's not even this year. That means, in other no. words, that they can actually make a profit right. in 2024 because up to this point, it has not been done. Yeah. So, yeah, and that always makes me wonder. It's like, and that is like the double-edged oh, oh, sword. I'm sorry, correction. Uh, streaming itself has not lost $4 billion total. That's been Disney as a collective. Mm-hmm. Streaming has lost $1.5 billion, So. Wait, wait. You say streaming has yeah, lost... Yeah, Disney one. Plus has lost $1.5 billion. Okay. Yep. By so streaming their, as a whole... No, what, Disney what, Plus has lost $1.5 billion. Okay. Yes. What, what lost $4 billion? Uh, Disney altogether. Okay. Like gotcha. Disney the company. Excuse gotcha. me. That might have been unclear. Let me clarify. Disney itself as a company has lost $4 billion. And Disney streaming, Disney Plus, has lost one point five of that $4 billion. Mm, okay. And the Disney Assassin... That's come to come and kill my ass for exclaiming all this. <laughs> it's gonna be the mouse himself. It's gonna be the. Mouse. <laughs> oh, I told you to shut the fuck up, Kevin. Oh. I'm, I'm just gonna be like in my bedroom, like pulling my sheets up. Like I, I don't want to hear this. This is gonna be. <laughs> what What are you doing, Mickey? No, no, no. Mickey. <laughs> A single tear rose down my cheek. Jesus Christ! Uh. Mickey comes like knock on her door. So you're going to be a good reviewer, aren't you? You're going to be a real good boy, aren't you? Aha! Uh-huh. Isn't that right? Y- yes, yes, Mickey. Or else I'm going to send Pluto and his friends on your ass. It's like, Jesus Christ, Mickey! E- everything is 8.0 or higher, Mickey. <laughs> you're goddamn right. Now say my name. <laughs> <laughs> 
He breaking bad to me. He breaking bad to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. He also tells you, oh, by the way, you got to go back and review Ragnarok again, motherfucker. Nikki, <laughs> <laughs> that's old news. That's so- I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm Mickey Mouse. Huh? You, you just killed my co-host. <laughs> I'll have him replaced. <laughs> Every Monday night, you get some asshole who comes and clocks in and All goes right. like, so what Disney product are we reviewing tonight? You're like, oh, well, we were going to talk about this DC thing happening. That's not on your contract. I don't remember signing a goddamn contract, sir. <laughs> I want to keep this joke going, but it's, it's, it's been right, right. Well, yeah. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Well, with all that being said, homies, welcome back to on. the Superhero Homies Podcast. My name is Quentin, and as always, I am here with the good homie, Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what is up? Welcome back. How's your week been? All the good things, etc. We love you guys. What is good? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about Disney and all that, and, and things to come in the future with the X-Men, and we're super excited about that, mm-hmm. obviously. But there are things coming this year that could have big implications for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the first of those movies to come out this year that could heavily influence the MCU moving forward is none other than Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Hell yeah. Quantumania. (laughs) What does that even mean? What what does Quantumania even fucking mean? You know, so... That's the, that's one thing I want to talk about right off the bat. If what's, is, that? what's uh, that? Before I say it, what's that? The the name like when the movie was first announced, mm-hmm. I was like, "Here we go, another jokey Ant Man movie. Let's see what in the fuck shenanigans he gets up to this mm-hmm. time." But after seeing the trailers, specifically that second trailer, I'm like, "That name does not match the tone that I'm getting from this movie." Uh, How many times did it say the word quantum in the trailer? I I don't know. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, thankfully, I, my brain has not been programmed to keep count with that. Uh, but this is going to be a preview for Ant-Man 3. I believe it comes out February 17th, if memory serves correct. Uh, so that means 16th for, you know, most of you guys who go to the theaters Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh but I also wanted to take this opportunity to put a heavier focus on Kang the Conqueror. Okay. And then if time permits, wanted to watch that second trailer that just came out a few days ago. Hell yeah. And uh, see if we can, uh, can analyze some things here. Well, I got the time. Let's go and press play. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you, uh, so you want to watch the trailer first? And, and oh, then, fuck uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know what the second option is, but fuck yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> Of course I want to watch this thing again. Yeah. There you go. Homie uh, Q is getting the laptop and everything. I mean, I mean, homies, what would you pick? You want to talk first or trailer first? Fuck yeah, trailer first. This is awesome. Uh, but yeah, man. Um, also, real quick, I'm going to give a plug while Q is doing this. Uh, recently, I had the distinct honor to get Fuck the star. Tavern Notice Board. You guys definitely shouldn't check out the Tavern Notice Motherfucker. Board. Motherfucker! I have said that the Tavern Notice Board... I'm is- going to choke you. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I, I got to be on an episode of the Tavern Notice Board held by ours truly, the homie Oz. Uh, he is hosting a great podcast. It is off to an amazing start. I got to be a very fun guest on a very fun episode where Oz and I broke down, uh, you know, as a, as a D&D player, especially one who's looking for another table, how the fuck do you find a good table? Like, what, what makes it 
hey, I found this table to play at. I don't know what it's going to be like versus, oh, man, this table right here, I'm so excited to join them. It's going to be amazing, you know? So what's the difference there? And uh, luckily, we have a whole episode talking about that. Yeah, I got to check that out. I'm probably going to listen to that one tomorrow. I've been meaning to, uh, My to get out of listen. Hell yeah. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that. And yeah, if you guys have not already checked out Tavern Notice Board, be sure and go ahead and do that. Stop being losers. Check it out. Hell yeah. That's right. Play D&D. Yeah. A bunch of goddamn losers. <laughs> what do you mean you're not playing D&D? That's right. All right, Kevin, you ready to uh, check out this trailer here? Hell yeah, I'm ready to check out this trailer here. My goddamn mouse. Here it is. It is. <laughs> it's with Nathaniel Bard. <laughs> You're an interesting man. Scott Lane. <laughs> Fucking death. You're an Avenger. Paul Rudd. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time. Like me. Well, the point out we're just right off the bat. Hmm. Like, the ambiance of this trailer feels different than any other Ant-Man trailer that we've gotten. Like, there's no jovial music in the background. It's definitely more sombersome. Mm. Uh, I could be wrong, but I feel like this is maybe the first Ant-Man trailer where Scott Lang isn't talking about his life, and now it's, it's Kang talking. Yeah. I don't know. We'd have to put the old ones. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, Interesting. But everything about this seems... It seems heavier, more consequential, you know, more serious this time around. And uh, who knows, maybe Marvel is realizing now that, okay, our jokey joke era where everything is so lighthearted and... We kind of dried that out. Like yeah. that, that well is out and we cannot mm-hmm. go back to it. And, and uh, I, I just want to say this one thing, then we'll definitely keep this thing going. But there is a fine line to that, right? Because if everything feels super serious then nothing feels serious and it feels like they're just taking themselves too seriously but if everything feels like a goddamn joke then it's like what's the point Mm -hmm. so you gotta find the balance there is a balance yeah Yeah. we can help each other with that So that's a good spot to uh, to pause that on. Actually, hmm. couple couple other notes here okay. that I had. Um, one being that uh, if you look at this trailer and then also look at the first trailer for this, we can definitely surmise that there's some kind of deal being made between mm-hmm. uh, Scott and Kang here, where it seems like Kang wants Scott to retrieve something. He wants Scott to give him boardwalk. I but really, he, he needs to trade up that uh, you Indiana Avenue. I you, you don't play enough Monopoly. I really don't. I, I, had to, I had to pull it out my ass. Mm-hmm. Indiana Avenue. I think that's a, a red property, though. Final mm-hmm. answer. <laughs> <laughs> I know Boardwalk, Park Place, the railroads. He wants the railroads. Oh, okay. They're really the shittiest property in the whole goddamn game. They, there's, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah uh, what the hell was I saying here? I was talking about Monopoly, and then you were saying... Um, yeah, before the deal. you mentioned Monopoly. Yeah, yes, thank yeah, you. They, okay, they, the yes, deal. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're good. We're good partners in this crime. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so 
I was wondering what is this deal because like I I have an idea of what Kang is offering Scott, but the the question that was really intriguing me was what in the world did Kang want Scott to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any ideas? No idea. Any theories? No. Nope. You wanted Casey. I'm pretty sure that's uh, oh, off no. the board, and yeah. that's all. That's that's a little. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't oh, know. That, that, that's not even off the board. That that actually got thrown out of bounds. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. But I said not not sure. Uh, last time I saw Casey, she was like twelve. <laughs> well, in the trailer we see that yeah, she's older. Yeah, she, yeah, she's she's older now. But yeah, but yeah. Uh, no. I in other words, uh, serious guess. I have no idea. I, I really don't. Um, uh, so maybe he wants I was uh, I I was out of uh, out of guesses too. Actually, up until I saw this part of the trailer. Okay, and so he uh, this, wants uh, out. He wants to be freed. Because uh, this roundabout way, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I was about to say because um, this looks like an imprisoning structure, whatever this is. But you know, let ma- me get that exposition, bro. Yeah, and, and maybe for the MCU, this will be constructed to be a prison or so. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what they call this place. I believe they called it uh, like was it Chronopolis? <laughs> Chronopolis, Bob. Is what, me, what I'm thinking of. Chronopolis, like Chronos, the yeah. city of time. Yeah, Chronopolis. Okay. Um, I mean, logistically, it makes sense yeah. when you break it down like that. So, sure. Chronopolis was a place uh, in the MC uh, in the Marvel Comics universe, and it it wasn't like a uh, it wasn't a place within like the quantum realm. It was a place that was in like the kind of like the, the microverse. It was like a place between places, so to speak. Okay. So, like, kind of like in a similar realm to where you find like the TVA or like you know, know ultra beings of reality. That's kind of where you'd find like Chronopolis. Okay, uh, but it is a place technically being of immense power because if if utilized in a certain way, it can be used to uh, uh, obviously like control certain things in the time stream or whatnot. But like the only thing that I really know about Chronopolis is it was in one of the King storylines I was reading a few months ago. Okay, just trying to trying to finally get a goddamn leg up and brush up on some of this shit that I, I've been less familiar with. But um, there was a a, a Kang story where uh, it was uh, Immortus, another variant of Kang that we'll talk about later on, uh, wanted to acquire this thing called the, uh, it was called the, mm. is it the Forever Stone, the Forever Crystal? It's another one of those immense, powerful artifacts in Marvel Comics. I believe it was the Forever Crystal. Okay. Or Forever Stone. One of the two. Forever Crystal sounds better. But uh, essentially, I believe it was Kang who actually acquired it, and he put the city of Chronopolis within that within that stone. And what that allowed him to do, theoretically, would be to erase certain universes that he didn't want to deal with anymore, uh, to alter or change certain universes. Basically, it's like a super powerful reality stone in that regard. Okay, it's the way that it functioned. Now, within the realms of the MCU, I'm thinking that. Kang is stuck in in the quantum realm, okay. which is why we haven't seen him in the MCU so far. I think he's stuck here. I think that we we see them get sucked into the quantum realm, yeah, and then they they run into into Kang. We also see, uh, you know, um, the Wasp mother, whomever mm-hmm. she is, I can't remember. Janet, uh, technically the original Wasp, the original Wasp. Yeah. Um, Janet, she 
kind of like sees them experimenting in the garage structure, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And she's like, wait a minute, what was this thing going to do? Oh, yeah. where's it going to take you? Oh, no, we cannot do that. And right, then it happens. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I remember that being a very memorable scene. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. as like, oh, no, we can't do that. Dot, dot, dot. Because my boy Kang the Conqueror is there. And then continuing to just kind of like self-expose and write our own shit for this movie that obviously, <laughs> you know, has their own stuff that they wrote. Um, because we can't go into this quantum realm because Kane the Conqueror is there because he's imprisoned in this Chronopolis. It it, right. it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, Who and knows may, what they maybe It may be like the, the Forever Crystal will allow him to escape. Right. And, and not yeah. only escape, but escape all powerful with whatever powers are going to give right. this crystal that won't make it seem like something we just experienced. Exactly. That's, that's going to be the difference. That's that. That's the flavor I was getting. It's like, yeah. oh, brother, that sounds great, like Rocky Road, but mm-hmm. that's what they just gave me from the last 12-year build. Right, you know? right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in other words, an item of all power giving this, this highly effective and highly powerful being himself... More power, right? Thank you, Chronopolis, to to do whatever big overarching goal thing that they want to do. So who knows? Um, what is King's goal? You think? Um, to fuck over everything and chew gum, and he's all out of gum. Well, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. I I make things up. I bullshit you. <laughs> well, let us continue. Let's continue. Let's see. That looked like Canopolis. Yeah. You cannot trust him. So Kang is to timelines as Wanda is to reality. Yeah, Wanda at her most powerful. Yeah. Right. A second chance chance with what? February 17th. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that. I think he wants a second chance to be with his daughter. There's a few context clues that we see here in this trailer oh where they lost time they lost time well how much time did they lose five years five years with his daughter you know she went from being like 12 to 17 maybe i've watched too much rick and morty in my time but uh that's not a lot of time five years i mean so i'm not a parent but i imagine that that if if, it is a parent to me (laughs) if i lost my child for five years uh, that would kind of really suck balls. Uh, this is true. Yeah. And so I imagine that he wants that time back because also we see at the beginning of this trailer, it looked like he was picking his daughter up from uh, from jail, like she had gotten into some trouble. That's and true. he's probably thinking, first of all, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And ah. uh, he was probably also thinking that, uh, man, had I been there for my daughter throughout these throughout those formative years... Maybe I could have done something more. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But I think he just wants another chance with his, with his kid. I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because it's like, oh, you want time? I can undo and rewrite and give you opportunity again. Right. And Casey's going to be like, man, what the fuck? I was able to drive. Yeah. I was able to smoke <laughs> and drink. And here I am as a goddamn eight-year-old again. <laughs> Casey, watch your language. No, you watch your language, Dad. That's cool. Yeah. 
it does look like he's not taking a back seat this go around, which I which like. Is good, that. yeah. Like, and feel free to pause it. Yeah. So one one thing that I I would love to see is something that resembles a healthy partnership. Yeah. I feel like we don't get enough of that in the MCU, and the MCU as popular and as powerful of a franchise as it is, I feel like we could see a superhero couple. Not just in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but a healthy superhero couple in mm-hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Because heaven knows we didn't get it for Ant-Man and the Wasp, the, the first oh, uh, yeah, like collective the, of yeah. theirs. Because that was, every guy in this movie is a dope, and every chick in this movie is the only competent character in this movie. You yeah, know? it was It was very, I mean, the, the word of the, of, the, of the year. It was very jarring, you know, to yeah. see that. yeah. Uh, and because you're right, like that, that it that is one of the many major flaws of the Ant Man sequel is that, yeah, um, all of the skills that he showed us in Ant Man one were gone. Yep. And if you just watch Ant Man two, you walk away from that thinking anyone can be Ant Man. You just yeah. need the suit. Like literally, like if Paul Rudd could be Ant Man because Adam Scott wasn't in this Dagger movie, Scott Lang, Scott Lang, that's what I said. What'd you say? He wasn't <laughs> in this movie. Then, thank you. Then you know. We literally just got Paul Rudd being himself, yeah. you know. And no offense, mm-hmm. Paul Rudd's cool, but it'd be nice to show a couple that can actually support, work with one another, be mutually beneficial, and thus augment and make better one another. And right. that's why I want out of this, because it's like, no, I don't want the guy to be more powerful, more competent, more effective, etc., whatever, than the girl. I want him to be more than her. I don't want vice versa either. That's not... That's not equality. That's that's not representation. That's fucking. It's lunacy. Thank you. Is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, to go back to something you said earlier, I actually would have preferred if Ant Man two had just Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd. I think that would have been an improvement. Uh, I don't think that Paul Rudd is an absolute buffoon in real life. Uh, he's an absolute buffoon in that movie. That's true. No, he obviously knows what he's about in real yeah. life. When the camera turns on, he's the lovable goof, and mm-hmm. ah, you know, but that makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that that is also a really good point you make up about like the dynamic there, and it yeah. it is bizarre how Hollywood has consistently struggled with that. Right, and it's like I, I get it because sometimes it's easy and nice to pander to a certain group of audience. That way, you can like claim that your movie makes a point and it stands on something and all this and that. But then it's like, well... It doesn't matter if the movie's dog shit, though. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the movie's dog shit. And then two, it doesn't matter if it doesn't actually further your propaganda or if it hinders your propaganda worse off, you know? And, yeah. And, and that is the risk that they run that they don't think about. Really. It's like, if you are trying to... And I'm not accusing, like, any, any MC movies in particular of doing this, but just for Hollywood in general, sure. if they're trying to push some, you know, some type of social messaging, but the movie ends up being shitty, then you end up hurting that message. Exactly. Because now you have an audience that resents you and partly your message because they feel like the message is the problem. When in reality, the problem is the presentation. And one would hope that they wouldn't get it confused, but no, like that can be confused. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, think about the, like Captain Marvel. That movie tried to push the idea of feminism and everything like that, but Brie it, Larson, uh, she sacrificed that movie. She really she, did by by telling, uh, uh, you know, saying that oh, I don't want any man to go watch this movie. Well, bitch. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like no, you know, you're kind of missing the point here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She definitely 
sacrifice that movie on an altar for who knows what. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's continue this trailer here. Let's do it. You may not want her to watch this. We had a deal. I mean, if if nothing else, the tone is set. Yeah, the tone is there. It's very serious, very, uh, very focused. Right. You know, um, I guess a couple of things here. Uh, one being that uh, Modoc. What you think? I liked how they actually made him a little bit more menacing mm-hmm. and less derpy looking. So unfortunately, oh dude, there, and then this may be like like. The one thing, I, man, I got to be honest. Nine times out of ten, if you told me that Modoc's going to be in the movie, I'm, I'm going to be hyped to see it regardless because it's, it's fucking Modoc. Modoc, guys, for those you don't know, he had his own show on Hulu for a while. Some of you uh, may have seen him there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he is the most bizarre looking villain that you will ever see in Marvel Comics. Uh, he's literally a giant floating head with a stubby little body who's, who's on floating hover chair. They changed quite a bit here for this version of Modoc. Uh, first major change here is that uh, one in the comics, Modoc is a guy named George Tarleton. Uh, his father created AIM, advanced, uh, advanced Ideal Mechanics, and AIM created the first Cosmic Cube used in Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. And they used that Cosmic Cube to experiment on George uh, to give him a greater intellect. Good news is it worked. Bad news is he became goddamn Modoc. He became all head. He became no torso. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, nothing else really. Uh, the most bizarre looking motherfucker that you will ever see in a comic book. And uh, you know, Modoc is an acronym originally stood for a mental organism designed only for computing, and uh, is most commonly known as Modoc with the K, mental organism designed only for killing. Um. And and yeah, so that that's kind of like the brief synopsis of the origin of Modoc, uh, but in the movie here, Modoc is not George Carlton, mm-hmm. uh, member of AIM. Uh, George Carlton, Kevin, is your favorite villain, Darren Cross, Yellow Jacket. <laughs> what? Yes, and Darren uh, Cross is Modoc. He is Modoc in this movie. There, there's a. Uh, as a matter of fact, there is a still image online that you can find of him as Modoc, and I gotta be honest, um, dare I say it? It doesn't look derpy; it looks bad in that one still image. But maybe that's just that one image going around that looks terrible. Maybe everything else about Modoc looks really good. Um, I don't know. I uh, noticed they had him like shaded out all black. Yeah, well, they had him like with that helmet on. I assume they were waiting for like the big reveal, you know, like who or what is that? And then the helmet comes off and you see is Darren Cross from Atman Man 1. Pull up the picture. I, I, I need to see this. Yes, yes. Um, 
Yeah. Disney, uh, when we said do better by your villains, this is not what we meant. This is not what we were speaking of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was... Um, yeah, it was quite the, uh, the the bizarre turn of events here. Whatever you're about to show me is going to equate to whether or not I have a headache now, and I just need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just go to bed, Kevin. I can totally go. Do you know who the fuck you're talking to? Yeah, you know what? That, that's a solid point. <laughs> I can very much just go to bed. Go to bed right here in this chair. Pass the fuck out. Well, the, the problem is that like you, you rarely choose to. And it just happens. That's right. It's my superpower. I don't know how to control it. It's involuntary. I don't know how to control it. I need Giancarlo Esposito to go be uh, Xavier so I can learn how to uh, use my power. (laughs) All right. Let me see here. That's from the Avengers game. Yep, yep, yep. I hope that they haven't tried to take down the images because, yeah, it it was a leak image. Uh, Okay. Um, (sighs) You know. Uh, we are not young to the microphone, homies. That was uh, an audio issue. Yep. What Q said. <clears throat> Indeed. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you keep looking. Um, oh, okay. Here we oh, go. Oh, you got it. Oh, good timing. Okay. So you can see. Oh, what the fuck did it go? Here it goes. You see him here in the background. And uh, the, the thing that I don't like about this the most is it looks like he's hanging out with the protagonist. So yeah, it just looks like he's chilling with everybody. Yeah. So there, there's good news and bad news about that. The good news is I do not think that Scott Lang will be the comic relief in his own movie anymore. The bad news is I think that that role is probably going to go to Modoc and that he's going to be repurposed as some kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, reformed villain turned, I don't know. Turned yoga instructor? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Hopefully it's not that bad. So I have a headache. <laughs> Admittedly, that last one kind of gave it to myself, but, you know, I I got to go to bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, here, here we see a picture of the man himself. And, yeah, you can actually look it up. Um I forget the actor's uh, real name, but uh, it, yeah, it's it's been confirmed he is coming back as Modoc. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know what? Um, I'm trying to withhold judgment until I see the final product here and see what they do with them. But man, uh, it's going to be a tough sell to see what they do here with Modoc. You know. I've been made uncomfortable. You've been made uncomfortable. I've been made uncomfortable, brother. I I don't I'm I don't know, man. I don't know. It makes no sense because it's like, homies. First off, I've spent so many episodes making fun of Darren Cross. Mm-hmm. I belligerently made fun of this man and said, "Hey, you want an idea of a shitty villain? Go watch Ant Man." By definition, I dropped Yellow Jacket's name constantly. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, of all the things to Marvel to do, they pull out the one fucking villain that I made so much fun of mm-hmm. and that I said, hey, this is an example of the worst villain in the MCU. 
and they pull him back out. And what happens? They potentially make him the comic relief bullshitter character. Like, the potentially the, the just fucking minion yeah. to Kang himself. Maybe. He might be. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, don't. Um, I will say this. I... I hope that it looks better than that picture because that just looks like his face has been superimposed and stretched. You know, he doesn't look mutated like Modoc should. Mm-hmm. So my problem with the way that it, and and there's been people trying to defend it, saying, "But Modoc looks looks derpy in the comic books." Yeah, but he looks that 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 look is not derpy in the movie. That look is just bad. Mm-hmm. Like. I need the MCU to leave the bad CG in phase four. I, I would have rather <laughs> them pull out Patton Oswalt to reprise oh, yeah. the role. Yeah. Because Patton Oswalt was the voice actor for the cartoon Modoc, uh, mm-hmm. of which you were talking of earlier for Hulu. Yeah. And uh, here we are with not that. So we have to assume that, uh, that there's a reason why Darren Cross is Modoc. Um, and and if I'm being honest, I don't remember what happened to him at the end of. Oh, I do remember he he shrunk and he kept shrinking. So technically, yeah, he would have wound up, I guess, in the quantum God realm. Damn it! Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Quentin. Quentin. Yes, bud. Why do you do these things? Give me good news. Let's talk about something good for the movie. Let, let's let's move on. Hey, you know we we've spoken about a lot of good for the movie. Okay. The, there's just, you know, just the MODOK thing. And we don't have a whole lot of information about MODOK yet. What do you think is going to be Kang's motivation? MODOK. All right, well, good night, yeah. homies. Uh, no, I, uh, irreparable. I, I'm, I'm done. I think that Kang's motivation is going to be uh, his long-lost love interest, uh, Ravana Renslayer. Um, his nice motivation. Uh, it is, it is, uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, and she actually uh, was in one of your favorite TV shows, Loki. Uh, <laughs> man, that look you shot me, brother! Look like you, like you wanted to to tell me to step outside. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Ravana was technically used in the Loki TV show. She was like the. Uh, the head chicken charge of the uh, TVA, and um, come to find out, she was working for He Who Remains, um, which in the MCU was a is a Kang variant. Uh, in the comic books, Ravana she uh she does come from the t- the same time frame as uh, Kang, the thirty first century. the The difference though is that uh, she's a princess there and. Uh, Modoc is in love with her, but that love is unrequited. Like she does not reciprocate the feelings, uh, at least not at first. And then they have really they have. Uh, if I'm being honest, is kind of a, a toxic on again, off again type thing. Mm. Um, I'll say this really quick, and then we can kind of talk about like, like the history here of Kang and what we expect to see him do in the movie. But one of uh, and, and like in all like my my readings of like reading various Fantastic Four stories and Avenger stories and, and even uh, gotta be honest some Young Avenger stories. Mm. One of my favorite moments. I love moments from old comic books because some of them are so unintentionally funny. Uh, but one of my favorite Kang moments came from like a an earlier issue of Avengers. Okay, uh, where um. 
his his love interest Ravana, she had gotten uh mortally wounded and shot. And so he kind of pulled in Mr. Freeze and he put her in like a cryostasis. Makes sense. And um and he was the most like repentant I'd ever seen King the Conqueror. Like he really okay. cared about this woman. And um he goes to the Grand Master and uh he goes, I, I really like please provide me with the uh with the power uh, of, over life and death. And Grandmaster goes, I'll tell you what, we're going to have this big tournament, and if your team wins, then I'll, I'll, I'll give you what you want. I'll, I'll amuse you. And uh, and so Kang actually fights alongside the Avengers. Okay. And, uh, and they have this, like, this whole contest. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's some shenanigans that go on. I forget exactly what happened, but the Avengers and Kang, they win, but like kind of on, on a technicality because they didn't like get like a clean sweep. And the grandmaster goes, well, here's what I do for you. I give you, I give you temporary power over life or death, whichever you want. And Kane goes, I'm going to choose death and I'm going to kill the Avengers. So <laughs> the motherfucker could have brought back his love, the love of his Damn, life. Damn, that spite was strong. <laughs> and instead, he tries to kill the Avengers. And that that shit was hilarious, hilarious. Uh, that's that's funny. Villains gonna villain, man. Villains are gonna villain. Villains gonna villain. Yeah. That does bring me to a question. So earlier you had made mention of the drop that uh, a variant of Kang was in Loki, alongside the potential love interest. That does beg the question: What is the the scale? What what is the rating? A yes or a no? that we're going to have to watch Loki to fully comprehend and appreciate Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Uh, I, I would say next to none, really. Like the, the connective tissue between the Disney Plus shows and the movies have been flimsy at best. Good. <laughs> you know, like, the, the, only, the only show that I think is required viewing will maybe be you probably should watch WandaVision before you watch Multiverse of Madness. Agreed. Otherwise, you'd be wondering what the fuck happened to Wanda. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. But other than that, I can't think of any that one would need to watch for these movies. Good. Because if someone ever told me I needed to watch Loki, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have known that person talking to me. Well, you know, Kevin, you uh, you bring up an excellent point. And because mm-hmm. I don't want the homies to have to suffer through that bullshit of a TV show, mm-hmm. um, I will go ahead and tell you guys the differences between Kang in the comics versus yeah, uh, what we got in the uh, the Loki TV show. Awesome. Um, so when we see the variant Kang in the uh, Loki TV show, um, we see him in the last episode, and uh, he goes by the name of He Who Remains. Now, this was actually an amalgamation of a couple of different uh, comic book characters. In the comics, He Who Remains is an entity. Um, is highly believed that he's probably uh, a relative to the one above all, hence the names, the one above, the one above all, he who remains, and like their kind of immense power scales. But the one above all is not a Kang variant in the comic books. He's not any kind of variant. He is. He looks like an old ass lemon. Like he looks like <laughs> lemon grab. <laughs> he looks like he looks like if you take a if you take a lemon, dehydrate it, and sit that motherfucker in the sun for like. 78 days straight. It's already dehydrated. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes. That's that's kind of what it looks like to me. 
The uh, wife gives you lemons, creates the lemon fucking <laughs> sun-dried, dehydrated villain. Yep. Uh, but the one above all, I mean, not the one above all, but he who remains is like the, the absolute head, head guy of the TVA. And so the Loki show did actually do some research to get that. Um, but the other character who they combined him with is, is definitely more obvious. And that is Immortus. That is another variant or another version of Kang the Conqueror. Immortus is actually the version of Kang that is the older, more established version. Um, so, the, the time traveling known as Immortus is like Kang the Conqueror who has even more experience, who's been around even longer. He's, he's, he's older. Uh, and they took the characters of Immortus and He Who Remains and kind of combined them into one. Um, and they, they use Kang in like his kind of weird expository speech that he gives in the Loki TV show. They're, they're definitely position, positioning Kang to be more of a multiversal threat, more so than a time-traveling threat. And I'm not sure if that's intentional or if they mean to intermingle the two, interchange the two. I don't know. I hope not, because then it's like... I don't know. We, we live in a day and age where like so many time-travel multiversal theory uh, stories have been made more commonplace... Mm-hmm. So if you keep interchanging the two, then neither of them are really going to matter because we know you're just breaking them down purely for their plot yeah. capabilities mm-hmm. versus, you know, actually using the science in your writing. It takes a lot of creativity to get Kang. It takes yeah. a lot of creativity. And it takes a lot of research. Two things that a lot of writers with the, for the MCU don't like to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they don't like to do their research because fans are bad. And uh, they don't they don't like to be creative because look at phase four. Right. Uh, anyways, enough of me throwing shade at the uh, phase four. Um, yeah. So th- that is kind of an interesting difference. And maybe there is some bleed over there between like multiversal theory versus time travel theory, because technically Kang the Conqueror, uh, the way that he's been using the comic books is he goes by like the uh, kind of like the the. The, the branching theory, or you can say like the future trunks theory. Okay. Where like, uh, you know, future trunks goes back in time, kills the androids, kills Cell, but then he goes back to his own timeline and his own timeline is still fucked up. Yeah. He saved a timeline, but the one that he himself comes from, that's a different branch. That's still fucked. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and technically in Infinity War, they touched on that when Bruce Banner was kind of talking about the, the different ways that they could kind of time travel to do the time heist. Yeah. Um, so we know that that's kind of a thing already established. So I'm assuming that they're going to continue to stick with that, which uh, consistency is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in terms of like what else you need to know from the Loki TV show, uh, I would say almost nothing. Uh, I doubt that I, I'm, I'm confident in saying that, uh, Anything that you would need from the Loki TV show will be expounded upon very clearly in whatever movie needs to be expounded in. Mm. So Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Marvel tends to do a good job with that. So, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. So a little bit about Kane the Conqueror here, guys. Uh, you would never believe this, uh, but he was actually created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. 
Mm. That, yep, yep. Alliteration. Nope, don't believe you. <laughs> Uh, his first appearance was in Fantastic Four issue 19 way back in 1963. Okay. Uh, and um, his uh, his origin story is one that I actually like quite a bit because uh, it's been uh, revamped but but never outright changed. Okay. Thank goodness. Uh, so it's interesting because he uh, his real name is Nathaniel Richards. And uh, he has a descendant named Nathaniel Richards who is related to Reed Richards. And so it is highly speculated that Cain the Conqueror is a far-flung descendant of Reed Richards. Uh, He comes from the 31st century, and it's kind of a false utopia, a fool's heaven, fool's paradise. Because in the 31st century, there are no problems. There are no food issues. There's no, I mean... Any issue you can think of, any they type of medicine, global warming, yeah. they have alternative fuels. Yeah, they so. got they got it all mm. uh, to a fault. They have a, a single world currency, world peace, all that good hunger, shit. Got rid of political systems, no poverty. Oh, got rid of the fucking borders between countries. Mm. That way, there's no uh, like quote unquote permitted only travel. What else can we do here? They listen to Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> what else? Um, uh, DoorDash doesn't hit them with all different types of fees. You know? Uh, they, yeah, they, DoorDash. You know, they, uh, yeah. Oh, you don't have to pay for fucking food? Because it's just <laughs> critical for survival. Medicine is free. Yep, they got medicine. I mean, they got a Single party t- government? That actually does its job. What? Advanced technology. I mean, they, they got it all. Uh, the issue is that uh, little Nathaniel, when this story really picks up, he's about 16 years old. Uh, little Nathaniel Richards, he's bored. He's bored out of his mind, mostly because he has no challenges. Like, there's no challenge in his life. And, uh, you know, there's always been the notion presented that if all of your needs were met, would you rise to your creative best or would you just be bored with life or would you just not fulfill and, and it, I think it varies from person to person I, I agreed uh, that's yeah. exactly what I was about to kind of explain because like I, I think it changes from person to person and I wouldn't know how to answer that because all my needs are not met right because I uh, you know I'm a human being in this day and age and I'm a needy motherfucker. You're right. That's right. <laughs> you heard it here. It's like for some people and, and Kang is one of those people, uh, the, the, the need to thrive is, is necessary and he doesn't have that because all of his needs are met. Uh, and so he's bored all of his mind and, uh, and there's one day where like these, there's these bullies, there's always bullies, but they, uh, they go too far with him one day and they beat the shit out of him. And at that point, he's like, all right, I've had enough. And he, he goes and does some more digging. He does some more research and he finds like these old blueprints created by none other than Victor Von Doom. And these are blueprints for a time machine. Time and he machine. was like, oh, shit. Now, because Nathaniel, he is he was like even for his day and age, the kid was fucking smart. He's able to put together this time machine eventually. And what he does is he goes. Um, and the time machine that he builds, uh, you have to ask Jack Lee, uh, I won't say Jack Lee. You have to ask Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. That, that's their, that's their pseudo pen name. Yeah, that, yeah. that's that. <laughs> you have to ask Stan and Jack about, uh, the creative decision, uh, as to why they did this, but 
the time machine he built looked like a sphinx. Yeah. Like uh, one you see in Egypt. Gotta love the 60s. Because sphinx are cool. They are cool as fuck. And this is this also led to another fucking moment that was not supposed to be hilarious, but I thought was fucking amazing. Uh, but Kang, he does build this uh, this time machine that looks like a, like a fucking sphinx. And he travels back to the days of ancient Egypt. And uh, the reason he goes back to ancient Egypt is because, I mean, A, he, well, he wants to see what it's like to be a fucking ruler. He goes back in time and he adopts the name of the Pharaoh Ramatut. And he, the reason that why he goes back to ancient Egypt is because he wants an heir. And the heir that he has in mind is a guy by the name of En Sabanur. Uh, and Sabanur, as some of you may know, is... Man, this, the- this guy just took a tour with all the biggest baddies he could find. <laughs> hey, Vic, what's going on, Mr. Doom? You doing good, bro? Oh, doctor. Oh, look at you with the pedigree. Okay. Wait, let me get that time machine. Oh, man, look at this awesome-ass Egypt-looking shit. Well, oh, man, apocalypse? Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have that word yet. English isn't a thing. Ah, don't worry about it. Well, hey. <laughs> yep. Who else did he uh, meet? Fucking Mephisto, the swan? Well, he technically has not met Dr. Doom yet. Uh, but, I know, I know. I'm yeah. just kind of being uh, <laughs> facetious, but uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he wants to make, uh, yet. Yeah. He wants to make uh, En Sabanur his heir uh, because he knows that this motherfucker is going to be a powerful ass ally. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, the Fantastic Four show up and they thwart his plans and then we get one of the... Uh, most hilarious panels, unintentionally hilarious panels that I've seen. Mm, so much so it. that uh, I had to save it. Um, Give me power over death. I'm going to fuck over Fantastic Four, too. <laughs> I probably, everybody getting fucked over today. Uh, but no, so as he's getting, as his plans are being thwarted mm. uh, by the Fantastic Four, uh, he hops into like his, uh, his escape pod and he leaves. He takes off. Which is a helicopter. And uh, it is not a helicopter. <laughs> But as he's leaving in like his uh like his his time capsule, he he says, "I shall leave my sphinx behind to mystify mankind for centuries to come, and when I leave, the memory of my reign shall fade into oblivion as though I have never been here." In other words, he's saying, "I'm gonna leave this goddamn sphinx here, so for centuries people are gonna wonder where in the fuck did the sphinx come from." <laughs> That's a dick ass move, man. That's a dick ass <laughs> move. Dick move. It's pretty great. Yeah. He's literally just like, I'm going to think five steps ahead. These motherfuckers going to be like, aliens came to help build this shit. They'll never know it was just me. I'm a goddamn time traveler. I built this thing. Victor Von Doom looking at it later like, no, wait a minute. That looks familiar. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, but yeah, so eventually, um, yeah, he, yeah he, he does meet Dr. Doom. And uh, mm. shortly after he leaves the Fantastic Four era, he goes into modern day. He runs into Dr. Doom and the, the two meet and they have a lot in common. So much so in common that they realized that uh, either one or two possibilities, either A, Nathaniel Richards is actually just a version of Dr. Doom or B, more likely Nathaniel Richards is actually a descendant of Doom. Mm. And uh, and I do applaud Marvel Comics because they've never said one way or another who this man is technically a direct descendant of. Is it Reed Richards or is it Doom? Uh, or is it both? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, while he's there, he gets the idea for another short-lived uh, identity. 
Um, this is, hey, listen, you got to rebrand Kevin until you get it right. So what has King conquered? Oh, man, he's just conquered uh, trying to hijack other people's stuff. So he's not King the Conqueror yet. Yeah, because right. he hasn't conquered enough people's stuff. <laughs> You got you got to uh, steal the actual like hijinks and mo of a number of people before you become a conqueror. That is true. Uh, so he he gets the uh, he gets the idea from Doctor Doom, or, or by being around Doom, and he adopts another identity called the Scarlet Centurion. And his getup looks kind of similar to that of Doom, and he has a suit similar to uh, to that of Doom. Uh, he he battles the Avengers. Uh, and eventually he's beaten by the Avengers and he's forced from that timeline. And uh, he means to go back to his timeline in the 31st century. But instead, he encounters an error on the time stream and he slips and he travels a thousand years further into the future. So now he's from the future of his own future. And uh, it's here that um, he sees that Earth is war torn. Like the the place that he came from is just absolutely being ravaged, and uh, people have advanced technology, but he realizes quickly that the people on Earth in that far flung future, they don't know how to properly use that technology, and so he's able to quickly and quite easily rule these people and conquer these people, and this is where he acquires the name King the Conqueror, and uh, so yes. Now he finally has the rebrand that uh, we all know him as. And uh, so now after he's uh, he's taken over so many roles in the future, he decides this is kind of bullshit because Earth is fucked up here in this future. I want to go to a time and place where Earth is still valuable. And which is why, you know, primarily he's always a, uh, a menace to our modern day comics because he wants to take over this Earth. Uh so things get more interesting here because um, eventually he does. I already mentioned the, the, the story about uh, Ravana, Renslayer, and about how he chose to try to kill the Avengers over try to saving her. But that is his on-again, off-again love interest. He's actually had another... It's not a love interest. Close enough. Mm. He's had another interest here. Um, the next notable story here that's of importance is when uh, he, he wants to... He wants to find and mate with a character who is known as the Celestial Madonna. Uh, now, uh, that terminology has has been going around in Marvel Comics for quite some time. The question is, who is the Celestial Madonna? Um, I'll give you guys a hint. If you play the Guardians of the Galaxy video game, you know who the Celestial Madonna is. It's, it's, it's Mantis. She's the Celestial Madonna. People thought it was going to be Scarlet Witch, but no, it's actually it's, it's Mantis. Uh, yeah. And the reason why he wants to mate with this Celestial Madonna is because it has been prophesied that she's going to give uh, birth to a very, very powerful heir, very, very powerful child. And uh, if nothing else, this man wants a very, very powerful heir. Uh, and uh, thankfully, he's thwarted. They're like, nope, nope, no, stop. You can't just go around fucking people because you think they're gonna give you a powerful ass kid, Kang. That's not how this works. So he doesn't get to he doesn't get to sleep with Mantis. You know. Sorry, Kang. Maybe, maybe next time. And that did have me thinking, I'm like, man, we get 
Ant-Man 3 in February. But then the next MCU movie we get is Guardians. I'm like, you know, you want to, does Kang want to move in to, to Guardian territory? That, that would be, uh, that'd be interesting. Uh, but in, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the power set here of Kang the Conqueror. Look, and uh, I need an intermission, bro. Yes. So this motherfucker's mo mm-hmm. is all over the goddamn place. <laughs> like we have not picked a lane. This motherfucker said, "What do you mean? What do you mean I have to pick a direction? I want all the directions all the time, every time." And it's like, no, Kang, you can't do that. And he said, "Bet, watch, hold my beer." You know, in a weird way, he has been wildly consistent, and that is wanting he's wildly consistent. That he's wild. Wanting powerful heirs has been his consistent mo. To the point where, when he does, when at least a Kang the Conqueror does have a child, does have Ravana, his kid Marcus is killed, and that does drive him to. Uh, Kind of turn over a new leaf, at least certain versions of Kang, but not all. Uh, we know that originally he wanted Apocalypse as an heir. We know that he wanted to sleep with the Celestial Madonna, Mantis, to give him a powerful heir. Uh, we know that he wanted Ravana and that he thoroughly loved his son, Marcus. That didn't work out. Uh, so, Modoc is the heir he gets, gotcha. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um,. But uh, in terms of like what Kang the Conqueror can do, obviously uh, the man has the man has one of the most advanced suits in a comic book history. Uh, I mean, we're talking about energy manipulation, force field, extreme durability, time manipulation, time dilation. Mm. Um, what is the what's that called? Uh, Chrono. Oh, chronomancy. Chronomancy. That's it. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, he has, uh, yeah, obviously things like, uh, uh, actually, yeah, he's has shown to do that Mm -hmm. and it's weird that he doesn't do that more often, but yeah, that's the thing that he has. Um, he's got the power to uh, like take on the Avengers He's got the power set to go one-on-one with Doom, of all people. Uh, the man has, he's run the fate of a lot of really powerful-ass people out here. Uh, and there's a reason why he's constantly a, uh, or consistently a, a, a thorn in the side of the likes of Fantastic Four, the Avengers, and uh, and even Doom Doom himself. But the thing about, uh, about Kane the Conqueror that's most interesting is that... Um, when his origin was like revisited in more recent years, uh, that really tied a lot of things together and, and kind of modernized him without taking away the essence of who King the Conqueror is. And, um, and I gotta be honest, like I, when I was reading that alongside reading it, like the, uh, uh, the original run of, uh, young Avengers of all things, I was I was pleasantly surprised, um, and that does lead to like the the last version of Kang the Conqueror we need to speak on. We've talked about Ramatut, who was the version of Kang when he went back in time to rule ancient Egypt. Uh, we've talked about Immortus, who was the version of Kang from the future, 
who first presents himself as an ally to the Avengers, but in actuality is quite the dickbag still. And obviously we talked about uh, the, the big bad booty daddy himself, King the Conqueror, uh, the most popular version of this character. But there's another version here. Uh, we go back in time, or I say back in time, we go back forward in time to the 31st century uh, and we visit 16-year-old Nathaniel Richards who would one day become King the Conqueror. And he's living a life that is boring because all of his problems are solved. He's a very curious young man. Uh, he's a very smart young man, but he's being bullied consistently. Well, when I spoke about this earlier, Kevin, I said he got bullied and one day he got his ass whooped by those bullies. But this day that didn't happen. This day instead, King the Conqueror shows up, stops those bullies. And takes in the young Nathaniel Richards for himself. And what ends up happening here is that this young Nathaniel Richards realizes and learns that, oh, shit, this guy is me from the future. And Kang is like, yep, I'm you. And uh, let me tell you how you're going to end up and what you're going to do with your life. And uh, so Kang the Conqueror takes Nathaniel Richards, 16 year old boy, uh, on like the... Most intense time field trip that you can imagine. And he takes Nathaniel Richards to different battlefields and and different areas of his conquest, different places where he's ruled, conquered and killed. And his his motive here is to jumpstart this this kid's journey into becoming king so that he can get a I guess. Yeah. So he can get more experience as being a conqueror. And it backfires. Because because that kid never went through the traumatic experience of getting his ass whooped, he never had that vitriol. He never had that spite. And so because of that, he sees all of this shit that the future him does, and he's put off by it. He steals one of Kang's time-traveling devices, and he goes back to the Avengers era, modern day. And he goes to modern day in hopes of finding the Avengers, telling them where Kang is, telling them that he, he needs to be stopped. Uh, the problem is, Kevin, this is in 05 when this story was written. In 2005, you know what else happened? The Avengers were disassembled. Uh, and so there were no Avengers. And so young 16-year-old Nathaniel Richards, he's looking like through uh, like the, the remainings of like Avengers HQ. Or it may, it may have been a Stark Tower, but I think it was Avengers HQ, the, the remnants of it. Okay. And there he finds... Uh, he finds uh, the remnants of Vision. Vision was dead at this time. Okay. Uh, and he wants to know what happened because he can't find the Avengers, but he knows from his studies, his history, the Avengers were around. Well, he picked like the, the one time like the Avengers were gone. Uh, and what he does is he tries to upload the Vision's memories to his suit so that he can get an understanding of what happened. And it works. Uh, but... Not only does he get that, he also gets a failsafe that was uploaded to Vision that Vision never got to fulfill. And the failsafe was that if the Avengers ever fail, this is what needs to happen. And that eventually need, leads to the uh, to him gathering together what would become the Young Avengers. And uh, because the idea was that if the Avengers are ever disbanded or dead, we need a group of we need a group of Avengers. 
And so he gathers together uh, these group uh, group of young kids. And the whole idea behind this is that, okay, our objective is to stop King the Conqueror because he's a dickhead. And if we don't, some terrible shit's going to happen. Uh, long story short, they, uh, they finally encountered the big bad, the BBEG. They encounter King the Conqueror and they fight. And the end result, we see... Uh, young Iron Lad, who is the character I've been speaking of this whole time. We see young Nathaniel Richards, who is taking the moniker Iron Lad. Uh, we see him taking a sword and impelling King the Conqueror through the back. And he gets the killing blow, technically on himself. He gets the killing, killing blow on Kang. Uh, objective succeeded. Good job. Mission accomplished. Uh, the issue with that, however, comes because... Uh, by killing King the Conqueror, he has definitely upset the time stream. And so shit changes immediately. There's like a shift in reality from killing King. So now certain members of the Young Avengers, they're they're gone, like they never existed. Uh Jessica Just Jones. Ones, right? <laughs> well, no, Wiccan was one of them. And some people like Hulkling. Uh, I I don't really care that much for him, but he he was gone too. Uh Jessica Jones' baby was gone. Like, like those two had never, like her and Luke had just never encountered. Um, and then, like, there were other things in history that were just fucked up that were wrong. And the thing also to remember here is that uh, one of the members of the Young Avengers was um, Cassie Lang, stature. And, and her and Nathaniel had uh, fallen in love. They had quite the romantic interest in one another. And, uh, and so this is where young Nathaniel learns a, a very valuable lesson about, uh, being a hero. He, he, first of all, he learns that one of the very first thing that Kang told him would have to come true. One of the very first things that Kang told him was no matter what you do, you will become me. So you might as well embrace this now. Uh, that's one thing that he realized. And the other thing he realized was the shitty cost of being a hero. You got to give up the shit that sometimes you want. He would have wanted nothing more than to stay there with Cassie and with the Young Avengers because he had done something with his life that felt meaningful for the first time ever. Now he realizes that the only thing that he can do is go back to his own timeline, become King the Conqueror. There is no other way. And uh, so, yeah, they have their tearful goodbye, and that's what he does. He leaves his suit of armor behind, and he travels back to his own timeline to become King the Conqueror. And that does set everything else right uh, with the timeline. Uh, that is where that particular story of Younger Avengers ends. And honestly, they should have left it at that with Iron Lad. That would have been a perfect fitting ending for that character. But, you know, it's Marvel Comics, so they can never leave well enough alone. Uh, so, yeah, long story short, blah, blah, blah. He kind of sort of comes back and, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But that initial run of Young Avengers was actually really fucking good. Okay. Uh, and the character of Iron Lad was way more compelling than I had give, ever given him credit for. I've only ever read him as like a uh, accessory character, never so much as like a main character. Uh, but yeah, so that is a little bit there about Iron Lad and about uh, kind of the bullshit that he has to go through there as well. Uh, another interesting thing here I believe it's in the first 
trailer for Quantumania. Uh, and then this is definitely a stretch. I don't because I don't know what the verbiage means. But Cassie says, "Yeah, we built this beacon." She doesn't put an emphasis on we, but she does say we. And I'm like, who helped you build that beacon? Was it a young Nathaniel? Or was it just, was it another member of a young of the Young Avengers? None of them are smart enough to do it. So was it... <laughs> My boat's a dog. A dog. A dog helped him. Yep. There you go. All right. Yep. Nah, man. Mm-hmm. Uh... Kang's been all over the fucking place, dude. Like, what an <laughs> MO. Jesus Christ. He's a goddamn time traveler. <laughs> It'd be weird for a time traveler to not be all over the place. It would, but admittedly, it'd be a little nice. But Jesus Christ, he's done, like, a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention the Council of Kings because every time he time travels, he technically creates a new time branch which creates a new Kang the Conqueror. So there is, in fact, a Council of Kangs. This sounds like the, the taken-for-serious version of Rick. I believe that's probably where they got it from. I think so. Yeah, the Council of Ricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On that note, okay. Yes. Uh, and so, guys, that is a little bit there of the history of Kang the Conqueror. Uh, he's conquered a lot. He's killed a lot. And I wonder, I wonder what aspects of the character they're going to adapt here for the movie. And it's hard to say just based off these uh, these two trailers we got. Yeah. Um, it's also hard to say who makes it out of this. We've discussed this before, but Kang. I mean, I don't think that he should lose. Um. I think that at the very l- at the very least, uh, they get away from Kang. Like I think that that's like the biggest victory they can hope for. Like you win by surviving Kang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, Ant Man even dropped the line in the second trailer where he says something like, uh, "I don't have to win. I just have to make sure you don't." Something yeah. to that effect. I don't have to win. I just have to. We just both have to lose. That's it, yeah, we just both have to lose. And uh, who knows, maybe Kang losing is just uh, a minor setback. I don't know. I mean, it, it has to be. This motherfucker's everywhere. <laughs> God damn. Like, bro, go find, it's not that hard to have a kid. I, I do not know what I'm talking about, homie. Please don't make offense, okay? I, have I had a kid? Fuck no. Oh, shout out to all the parents listening out there. Kudos to you guys, because you have your powerful heirs, and you did not have to time travel, hopefully, or multi-dimensional <laughs> travel, hopefully, or make friends with Apocalypse, that asshole, hopefully. So. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I also wonder... Uh, What's that? Yeah, I also wonder about, like... Uh, yeah, Kang Dynasty, which is going to be the name of the next Avengers movie. Um, like, if they do stop Kang here, clearly and, and obviously he comes back, but I'm like, when he comes back, does he... See, like, th- there's too many unanswered questions here that this trailer leaves us with. Uh, because, like, if Kang does survive, <clears throat> not if, when, because Kang has to fucking live... 
even if even if you can just reach into the time stream and grab an, an, another king, like that just devalues him to me. Uh, so he has to live. But if King if King lives, then he has to get out of the quantum realm. How does he do that? And how does he do that with all of our all of our protagonists surviving? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No idea. Uh, you think the Ant Man makes it out? No, no, but knowing, uh, knowing the Scott Lang, this Paul Rudd type, I honestly believe it's going to be like, he doesn't make it out, but that's because of a vicious sacrifice. Like he, he sacrificed himself in some regard, not to like death, but he sacrificed himself where he is no longer amongst the normal realm. Like, he is yeah. a permanent part of the quantum realm. Right. Or multi-dimensional travel bullshit. He lost his uh, he lost his way in the Sphinx and couldn't get out. I don't know. Somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I would imagine something along those lines. Um, yeah. I think that he does make some kind of sacrifice play, uh, specifically to save his daughter, Cassie. Agreed. And uh, I think that it postpones... King's inevitable escape. Um, and then I think that we probably see Scott again in either King War or King War, uh, King Dynasty or Secret War. Okay. That's what Makes I think. Sense, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that Marvel could do with this, but as of now, I don't really know specifically what they have in mind, but hopefully it's something fucking dope. I mean, Agreed. yeah, like they. They have one of the most well-versed, well-known villains from Marvel Comics. Uh, one of the biggest of the big bad threats. Uh, so they need to do something with them. And I'm again, I'm glad that they realized that, okay, this is a guy who needs to be used not just once. We can't just one and done Kang. Yeah. Um, like they kind of did with Ultron. Right. Uh, yeah, so hopefully he gets a great outing here. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if I said this, but I, I'll definitely say it again. I already like him infinitely more than I liked him in Loki. Uh, and it's not just because I don't like the Loki show. I didn't really care for his performance. Yeah, me neither. And, uh, Big surprise. <laughs> I didn't care for, for what they gave him to do in the Loki TV show. Um, he just played like, a, you know, that kind of eccentric where it's like... Um, you're eccentric because you have so much knowledge, like that type of crazy. That's, that's stupid. Yeah, that's that, like a lazy D and D character. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of how how uh, he who remains presenting himself. I don't know, uh, but yeah, I uh, I gotta be honest, man. Like I, I have uh, I have pretty pretty stout hopes for uh, this this Ant Man movie. Uh, yeah. So, just a couple more questions, man. Uh, what does this movie need to do in order for you to love it? Get its writing together. Get its shit together. Have the villain actually be well flushed out. Um, know what they're writing for, what they're writing about. Don't pander. That's all. That's all. That's not that much. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um... Start phase five off with the right bang. 
Mm. You know, don't don't start it off with, uh, you know, a disappointing fucking failure of a movie. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that'd be preferred. That'd be preferred. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting note: when the previous Ant Man movies came out, they were there to end certain phases. Like I believe Ant Man One was uh, came after Age of Ultron. It was the end of Phase Two. Mm, okay. Yeah, interesting. yeah. Uh, Ant Man Three was in a similar position. So, but this is one that is actually kicking off a phase. Uh, And so, I mean, positioning in the MCU does mean something, you know, movies are in certain places for a reason. So, yeah, Uh, I, I, uh, I am definitely cautiously optimistic about this movie. Uh, I, I really dig the tone of the trailers at least. And um, again, like this movie already has a leg up because we have an established villain who is getting the spotlight. Uh, whereas Yellow Jacket and Ghost, they never really got the spotlight. There was never anything given to them. Yeah. And so we never could really see what those actors could do or, or really any any unique motive uh, for those two villains. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, I think that they're going to have their hands full. Um, I'll say this. I, I think that maybe... Scott makes the sacrifice play, but like you said, he doesn't die, but he makes the sacrifice play. Uh, they they might kill off Hank Pym, though. Just throwing oh, that yeah, out there. Yeah, mm. I mean, is he still alive? <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> Shit. Uh, sorry, Michael Douglas. Um, oh, no, Michael uh, Douglas still alive. That's dope. Yeah, like yeah. The, the fictional. Right, character. right. Uh... Yeah, yeah, that he is for now. For now. Yep. But, uh... Fish button. So, yeah, thank, that sounded way better than the button. But, oh, good. Yep, thank you, yep. Thank you. I practice. Um, but, yeah, man, you have uh, any other thoughts, theories, or anything about uh, Ant-Man 3 or Kang the Conqueror? Um, I'm good myself, bro. What about Immortus? No. What about Ramatut? No, no. What no. about Nathaniel Richards? What about Iron Lad? Actually, no. <laughs> Fucking A, dude. So confusing. Uh, yeah. That's why I'm here, homies. Uh, but yeah, this has actually been... Um, I, I was I was super uh, nervous in like the, the months leading up to, to this inevitable breakdown of King the Conqueror and Ant-Man 3 because King has such a fucking long-storied history uh, but yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm like a, a little choo-choo train or, or maybe something more adult, uh, or yeah, or more edge lord. I'm more like the juggernaut. Once I got, nah. once I got moving, I was like, oh shit. Uh, so it, it was a, it was a pretty cool journey. you reading all the different King shit and, and, and seeing all the different variations of him and where they came from and, and what their motives yeah. are. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to be all for this one, homies. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and learned something new and or came up with new cool theories. If so, you guys can hit us up at superherohomies at gmail.com or any of our social media outlets. We are always active, live, and listening. Hell yeah. Uh, but that would be all for this one, guys. Thank you again for listening in. We will see you guys again next time. But until then, my name is Superhero Homie Q. And of course, I am Superhero Homie Kevin.